0: when jesus speaks to us and tells us to never lose our childlike faith and sometimes this world tries to make things so complicated when in actuality the scripture tells us to not lose the simplicity of the gospel and it's just that simple It's just staying in the simplicity of God. And when we stay in the simplicity of God, we find wonder in him. And I love that song. May we never lose our wonder. So I invite you for just a moment. We've been in such a beautiful place of worship. To just close your eyes and just think of the awesomeness of God. And if you're not used to that or you're like, well, I don't know what to think about. I want you to think about like out of all of the places that you could live, you get to live in Colorado. Where we have the mountains as a daily reminder of the awesomeness and the magnitude and the largeness of God. The one who created the mountains and it was nothing for him to do it. God, you're awesome. May we never lose Wonder the breath that you breathe, the fact that you can breathe in and breathe out that's the wonder of God. The fact that you can form words and express gratitude and love that's the wonder of God. Think of all of the things I mean, just I mean, the creation around us. The doors of opportunity, the wonder of God. It's an awesome thing. May we never lose our wonder. Just keep it simple. Just keep it simple. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Turn around and tell somebody, you are proof of the wonder of God. Just look somebody in the eye. You are proof of the wonder of God. You are proof of the wonder of God <laughs> hmm. oh. <laughs> I'm gonna let you leave this so man what a good day to be in church it is a good day to be in church praise the Lord thank you so much um, I have something that's been on my heart to share with you today and I want to put a bit of a precursor to it and the precursor that I want to put on this is I want to ask you as we move into this that our uh, our lives seem to have become very politically charged over the last few years, I don't know, whatever time frame you want to put on it, but Here's what I want to ask of you this morning is as I share what I'm going to share this morning, that you take off the political filter. Uh, I don't remember how long ago it was, but God really put in my heart the when Jesus was speaking to the disciples and he told them to beware of the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. And that has remained so powerful to me. In the leaven of Herod, uh, Jesus is speaking of the influence of the political system, and the leaven of the Pharisees is the influence of a religious system, a system that would uh, focus on um, qualifying oneself through deeds and actions rather than the love of Jesus. So the scripture specifically tells us to be aware of that, to keep an eye on it, and to not let that leaven be the leaven that inspires and moves us. And so this morning, as I share what I am going to share, I'm asking you to beware to not put a political filter on what I'm going to share with you, because if you do, you're going to miss the whole point of what I'm saying. And so this is not a political message. This has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with being right wing, left wing, up wing or down wing. It's it's a truth from the word of God. So can we all just reach over right now and pinch your neighbor and say, don't politicize what she's saying. Okay. And then, and then look at them again and say, I love you. And if they pinched you really hard, then you can challenge them right now and say, that was not nice. Okay. And if the person sitting next to you is single and you're single and you want to pinch them again and say, Hey, I like that. I'm here to help you out. Okay. All right. So I want to start in a scripture out of the book of Mark, and I'm going to read mostly out of the new King James translation today. So Mark chapter four, starting in verse 35 says this on the same day when evening had come, he, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude where Jesus was ministering, he was ministering to a a crowd of people. So that's the multitude that they had left says they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, his disciples awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? The, Jesus, the question that Jesus asked him is, why are you so fearful? Why are you so full of fear? So the Bible defines fear as a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. Fear is a powerful emotion. How many of us in here can say, we've experienced fear. Mm -hmm. And if you say that you haven't, then you're stupid. (laughs) Because there is a lot to be fearful of. I remember when Darren and I went to Australia many years ago, there is a lot of stuff that will kill you in Australia like spiders and snakes. I remember we went out, like our first night there, we went out with the people that we were staying with. We went out walking around. They raised uh, bucking stock and had uh, bulls and things. And we went out walking around because we wanted, their cattle there looks way different than our cattle do here. They look emaciated in in my eyes. No offense to anybody from Australia. But they look like they're super skinny. So we were out walking around and Cody knows it, it, they look skinny, don't they? So anyway, we're walking around and they get Uh, back to the house and they said, well, what have you guys been doing? And we told them, well, we went on a walk out here, blah, 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 blah. And they said, oh, well, you probably don't want to do that. And like there's snakes around and all that. So anyway, there's lots to be fearful of in Australia. That's why I live in Marca. So, (laughs) so I want you to think about what evokes fear in you. Is it snakes, spiders, clowns? Dogs, Felicia, Felicia. (laughs) your spouse (laughs) evokes fear. (laughs) You can pinch him, Miss Felicia. Okay. Um, Fear of crowds, fear of being alone, fear of failing, fear of growing old, fear of dying, fear of sickness, fear of missing out. See that little et cetera there on the end of the definition validates everything that we're listing out, right? In the definition. But the definition goes on to say whether the threat is real or imagined. So you can just make up stuff if you want to. (laughs) It fits the definition of fear. Fear is a universal emotion. It doesn't matter Uh, what country you live in. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter your economic status. Fear is a universal emotion that affects everyone in every stage of life. Fear. Jesus said, why are you so fearful? I have, over the course of few years, but increasingly become aware of how much our culture is being driven by the emotion of fear. How many messages are we being sent on a daily minute by minute now because we have social media, and you can literally hold a little square in your hand that will send you a message of fear of dread and doom and gloom literally twenty four seven how many How many in here remember the day when the news was the morning news for an hour and the five o 'clock news? for an app for 30 minutes. And then you got the world news with Tom Brokaw or who was, who was one before that? uh, Who was Walter Cronkite? Yeah. Yeah. You remember that 30 minutes. And that was the extent of the information that you got of what was going on around the world. You know, I I recall my dad saying that when he would go to the movies that uh, there was a newsreel that would play before the movie. So that, you know, if things have changed And you can get fear anytime you get information on fear anytime you want to, it is readily available. Think about all that we're prompted to do or not do because of fear. I remember when I went to college, I had the honor and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life of living with my Mimi, my grandmother, when I went down to Texas to go to school. It's warm in here now, huh? Jesus answered the prayer. Or is it just me? Are y'all warm? Yeah. Okay. If you need heat, you could come up here and hug me because I'm warm now. Um, I moved down to Lubbock, Texas to live with my grandmother when I started college. And uh, she is she's a little tiny bitty lady. Southern to the core, full of Southern grace and hospitality was the epitome of the Southern woman. She mowed her lawn in her heels and her dress in full on pantyhose in July in Texas. I'm telling you, she was a lady and in her diamonds, always had on her diamonds. She worked in a jewelry store and she worked hard for them, So she wore them all the time. And one day she took me into her bedroom. And she said, I need to show you something. She lifted up her mattress and there was a pile of money under her mattress. She took me into her closet and opened up shoe boxes and showed me there was rolls of $100 bills shoved down in the toe of her shoes that were, you know, um, boxes stacked on the shelf in her closet. She opened up the photo album and behind the pictures she opened and there there is money everywhere. And she said, "I need you to not throw anything away when I die." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Maybe." Why do? You, and and she kept her biggest, most precious jewelry. Not she had a, a dresser that had a jewelry box and uh, you know all kinds of pretty stands and dishes and things for her to keep her rings and bracelets and things in. But her most expensive jewelry was in a tissue box wrapped up in. Kleenex beside her bed under the rest of the tissues. And she says, we don't throw anything away. And I said, Mimi, why this is not safe? And she said, because I wanna be able to get to my money if the banks shut down. She had lived through the Great Depression. As a little girl, her parents couldn't afford to keep her and take, they couldn't afford to feed her. So they sent her to live with her older sibling in Panhandle of Texas. She had lived through some really difficult, hard things. And to hear her talk about those things, she lived with a great amount of fear. But hearing her talk and tell stories, you understood where the fear came from. So what are we prompted to do or not do because of fear? One of the things that I remember her doing is she would keep butter dishes, the little uh, plastic things that the butter come in. She must have had 50 of those in her cabinet because she didn't want to not have something. So she saved everything. And then when she did get something that was nice and knew she was saving it for a special occasion, she died saving things for a special occasion. Fear drove so much of what she did. What do we do or not do because we are driven and motivated through the emotion of fear. We've become conditioned as a society and as a culture to use fear as a motivator. I wanna to speak to parents for just a minute. How many times, don't, don't raise your hands. And I'm not asking this to put condemnation on anybody. I'm not here. We're a church of love and I'm not here to put condemnation or guilt on anybody, but I'm I'm, I'm wanting you to hone in on something. How many times have you said to your children, don't run, you're going to fall. I'm just saying, I hear it all the time. Don't jump off of that. You're going to crack your head open. What kid doesn't want to run and jump? But then they're put in the message on the inside of them. If I do that, my legs are going to fall off. My eyeballs are going to pop out of my head. It is going to be bad. We have a nephew that when he was a little kid, he was afraid to run. He moved weird. (laughs) Why? Because he had been filled with a message of fear. We have conditioned ourselves to... Invoke compliance through fear. I want you to think about what you say to your kids, what you say to your grandkids, what you say to yourself. And the message of fear and compliance through fear, motivating through fear, is a big tactic that is used in the church. That's how I got saved. Because my aunt told me that if I didn't say a prayer the way that she said it and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and to forgive me of all my sins, I was going to go to hell and worms were going to crawl through my eyeballs. Now that will invoke fear in a child. I don't care what you're asking me to do right now. I do not want to go to hell and I do not want to sit in fire where my skin is going to melt off and eyeballs are gonna, or worms are going to eat my eyeballs. So my introduction My leading to Jesus was not the goodness of God that brings men unto repentance. It was the fear of hell that my first introduction to Jesus. Think about that. Think about your introduction and what was your introduction to a relationship with Jesus? Was it motivated through love or was it motivated through compliance from fear? Because if your introduction to him was through fear, your relationship with him will be based on fear. And the way that you perceive him and the filter that you receive him through is a filter of fear, not a filter of love. Just thinking about it. Yeah. When fear... Is the primary motivation in our thought, or our actions? We're actually creating distance between our heart and the heart of God. I'm going to show you something. Let's go over to Genesis chapter three. I want to share something with you. In Genesis chapter three, what we're going to do is we're going to use something that's called the law of first mention, and it's actually it's not a law; it's just a tool for study. When you're studying the scriptures, when you Uh, have a certain word or a certain idea or concept, what you do is you look in the scriptures and you search out the very first time that that word or that idea is introduced in the scripture, and then that's called the first mention. So when you get the first mention of that, then you take that first mention and the Um, premise and the truth that is around that first mention and that first mention then lays a foundation for every other time that this word or idea is carried throughout the scripture. So it helps you to get a foundation understanding and then helps to reveal the depth of every time it's mentioned thereafter. So Genesis chapter three, what is happening here is this is in the garden that God has created and he's created man and with man he has named everything and everything is good. He's created woman to be a companion to man. And now the serpent has come to deceive the woman and she and the man have eaten the one thing in the garden that was forbidden for them to eat. And now God has come to them to talk to them. So Genesis chapter chapter three, starting in verse eight, says this, and they, the man and the woman heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. I was afraid And so I hid. This is the first time the emotion of fear is mentioned in the scriptures. And the consequence or the result of fear was hiding. I heard one minister say this. He said it only took three chapters to get to this, to fear. (laughs) Got there pretty darn quick. The consequence of fear, the very first mention of fear in the scriptures is hiding from God. That word hide in the Hebrew actually means to withdraw or to pull back. So what happened is fear came in and man and woman withdrew from God and pulled back from God, therefore putting distance between their heart and the heart of God because of fear. Very first reaction. Fear created distance between the heart of man and the heart of God. Why? Why does this happen? Because we know from the scripture, if you want to go with me over to 1 John, that God is love and perfect love casts out all fear. The scripture says in 1 John 4, 16, that we have known and believed the love that God has for us because God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Then it goes on down in verse 18 and says, there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment and he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And you might be sitting there right now thinking, well, I know that I fear. So what is happening? What is wrong with me? That word made perfect means to bring to completion. It indicates a process. And what that's saying is that that person has not completed the process and has come to the finish line. So we're walking it out, right? Perfect love casts out all fear. So where there is the perfect love of God, fear cannot exist. Fear cannot be the motivator. Fear cannot be the one that is pushing an action. But if perfect love casts out all fear, the opposite is also true. That where there is an absence of the perfect love of God, fear flourishes. Where there is an absence of the perfect love of God, fear increases and grows. I remember in high school, uh, in I don't know what class it was, but we had these, you remember the plastic petri dishes? And we would take swabs, part of our uh, assignment, I remember we spent like a whole section on this. We would go and swab stuff and then come back with our little swab and rub it in the Petri dish and then put it into an incubator or put it into a certain environment. And in that environment, then we would come back within a, a certain time period, a few days or something like that, and then see what had grown on the Petri dish. It was really disgusting. But what God is telling us here is that when you create an environment, when an environment is created and perpetuated, where love is not predominant, where the love of God is not the predominant thing, that we are swabbing an area and fear has a perfect environment to grow and multiply and overtake in. So how do I know if I'm being motivated by fear or by love? Let's just look at a few things. If you're being motivated by fear, as we read, it creates distance and a pulling away from God. If you're being motivated by love, you draw closer to God, press into him. Fear will cause you to imagine the worst case scenario Anytime you're thinking of the future, anytime you're trying to think of a process in your mind and what that's going to look like, it always go to the worst case, the doom and the gloom, the death and the dying love will cause you to process your, your future through a filter of hope because the scripture says to us, and I know the thoughts that I have towards you says the Lord thoughts of a future and a hope love causes us to think of the future through hope. Fear will cause us to protect ourselves and to build walls just like they did in the garden. What did they do? They hid and they covered themselves. Fear will cause us to go into a self-protection mode. It will cause us to put up walls to protect ourselves. Love empowers us to be open and to be bravely vulnerable. Causes us to be brave with our hearts. Fear will cause a passivity, will bring a passiveness and a defeated mentality where you feel like you're you're beat before you ever even enter the race. So why even try? Or fighting from a defeated place. Whereas love lets us know that love never fails and that you are coming from a place of victory, not fighting for a victory, but you've already won the victory because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so any battle that you enter into, you're not fighting to try and win. You're fighting from a place of victory already. Love has already established the win. And you could go on and on with the list, and I encourage you to do that, to think of what is the difference, what does it look like differently when you're motivated through fear or you're motivated through love. Like some things as simple as commercials that are advertising for home security systems. Is it wrong to have a home security system? No. But the commercials that are advertised are of people being broken into in their homes and terrible, awful situations. Watch the commercials. It's not coming from a place of wisdom and peace of mind. It's coming from a place of getting you to buy something because you're scared. It's all the time it's happening to us. Deception is what came to the woman in the garden. And that deception is what led to the fear. And another definition, when you dig deeper into that word that Adam hid, another definition deep down in that is that when Adam hid, the meaning of that word is to put out a fire. When Adam hid in the garden, the fire of God on the inside of him was put out. When fear comes to cause you to hide, its whole purpose is to put out the fire of God that's on the inside of you. Because when the fire of God in you is distinguished and snuffed out, darkness is created. And where darkness is, fear thrives. Because the fire of God is absent. And God is love. Because we know God is love. The darkness of fear is trying to hide the love that we're all searching for. The same way is fear is a universal emotion. The desire and the need for love is a universal drive. Everyone has that. Everyone wants to be loved and everyone wants to love. In our deepest core, that's who we are. Why? Because we were created by love in love. John 3:16 says this to us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. See God's motivation was love. When God gave the perfect gift of his son Jesus Christ to the world, it says that God so loved so he gave. God loved with perfect love, God gave with perfect love, and God saved with perfect love. God did not have recorded here through inspiration of his Holy Spirit that God feared what was happening And he saw creation going to hell in a handbasket and he was provoked to anger and he feared what would happen to all of his creation. So he had nothing left to do, but his last resort was to send his son, Jesus. His motivation was not fear and his motivation was not anger. His motivation and what moved him to send Jesus was love. God is love and perfect love casts out all fear. See, all the spirit of this world has to do. I want to, I want to say this, right? Cause I have the picture in my head <laughs> and I want to say this, right? All the spirit of this world has to do is to create an environment to create a Petri dish where love is absent. And that happens through the spirit of this world, sowing division and hatred and accusation. And when that Petri dish is filled with division and hatred and accusation for any reason it creates an environment where fear thrives and where fear thrives, where the emotion of fear thrives. It drives a distance between the heart of man and the heart of God. And Jesus warned us. He said, beware of the leaven of Herod. He told us it was coming and it is not a surprise. Fear Thrives where the love of God is absent. But see, fear doesn't present itself as fear. Fear doesn't pop up and say, hey, (laughs) watch this. I'm coming. How do you, how do you, how do you scare someone? You hide around the corner and you pop out at them. Fear does the same thing. Fear doesn't tell you that it's coming as fear to send a message of fear to you. Fear presents itself as a storm. A storm is turmoil. It's unrest. I want you to think of a storm. A Storm brings confusion. It brings loss of direction. So let's go back to where we started and Mark chapter four in verse 39, verse 39. And I wanna read it to you out of the message translation. Mark four thirty-nine in the message says, he, Jesus told the wind to pipe down and said to the sea, quiet, settle down. And the wind ran out of breath and the sea became as calm as glass. The wind ran out of breath See, what happens is that in the midst of the storm that you fear the most is the love to break that storm's hold on your life. In the midst of the storm, the confusion, the loss of direction, the distraction, in the midst of the storm that you fear the most is the love that is needed to break that storm's hold on your life. Who was in the midst of the storm with the disciples, but Jesus. I don't know how big the boat was when Jesus was asleep in the, Cern of the boat with his head on a pillow. And I don't know if the Jesus, uh, the disciples were all in the bow of the boat and they were, you know, bouncing up and down and holding on to the sides of the boat These are fishermen that we're talking about. These are not men who are unfamiliar with a storm. The storm was legit. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so for fishermen to be afraid of the storm, it was, it, it was a legit storm. And I picture, I've, I've been uh, on a boat, had the you know, distinguished pleasure of being on a boat with my dad when we were in a pretty, pretty serious storm. I remember my mom was so mad at him. Oh, she was livid with him. But I remember the front of the boat coming up and it would slam down in the water and it would come up and slam down in the water. And I was down in the cabin and I was looking out and I could see water coming up over the bow of the boat and over the windshield and hitting my dad in the face. And my dad standing, he was holding onto the steering wheel and they were bouncing and we're doing like this and wind is coming up over the windshield of the boat and my dad would just shake his head and just keep on going. Like, it's no big deal, I got this. Meanwhile, the rest of us are in the bow freaking out. It's easy to get scared in a storm. And I don't know how big the boat was from the bow to the stern, but the love that was needed to break that storm was the distance between the bow and the stern, was the distance between God's heart and the heart of man. Whatever the storm is, whatever the message is that's being swirled around you right now in your life, and your situation and your circumstance and the things that are happening around you and the things that are happening on the inside of you, the things that you can't control, the things that you want to control, the things that create fear because you can't control it and you don't know when it's going to start and you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know what it's going to look like and you don't know what's coming. The love that is needed to break that storm's hold in your life is in the midst of the storm. We can't run from the storms because they're going to come. I'm not here to, you know, I didn't mean to want, want, want. But storms are going to come. And if we can learn to access that love and not be dragged to one side or the other through division or confusion or hatred, but to stay in our position of abiding in perfect love. That's where we're called to live from is that place that is created for us in the heart of God that he invites everyone into without restriction. He invites everyone into that place because remember, love doesn't build walls. He's offered up his whole heart to say, come and live in this place that I've created. Not for you to come and visit when things are hard and then to take off, but for you to actually live and create and to have your living and your being from this place that's in the heart of God. That is perfect love all the time. It's not conditional. It's not situational. It's all the time. And he offers it to everyone because Jesus wasn't afraid to love. Everything he did was motivated through love. The scripture says that Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. Who is the father but God? And then we read that God is love. So Jesus only did what he saw perfect love doing all the time. That's what motivated him all the time. Jesus said, what are you so fearful of? Why are you so full of fear? That message of fear is coming at us twenty-four-seven, and we have a choice to make. Here at the beginning of the year, starting January first, we're doing a church-wide fast. This will be our third year doing it as a church. You don't have to do it. That's like, oh, this isn't my church no more. Y'all are fasting. I'm out. No. I'm just <laughs> I don't fast them out, but starting January 1st, we invite everyone that wants to participate. We're doing a 21-day Daniel fast, so you're like, "Ooh, praise the Lord, I do get food. You eat all the beans you want, man. <laughs> There's more information to get on that, and what's really cool is our, uh, our, our people in our church family, Lacey, thank you. Kirstie headed this up, and I'm so proud of her. Kirstie's our worship leader up here. Kirstie is the one that really put her heart, her and her husband, CW. They compiled a 21-day journal that is for our church, written by people in our church. And it's a short devotional. Each day, 21 days, it leads you through the 21 days. And it's like there's day five. There's your reading for day five. But here's the reason I say that I'm not, you know, this wasn't a pitch for this. It just happens to be so. But what I'm saying is when you enter into a fast, it's an opportunity to strip off all of the things that distract and pull us in different directions and just get 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 your compass set to true north. And to like what Becky said to make the most important thing, the most important thing. And to get our heart set on God and that our motivation and our reason for moving, our reason for decisions, our reason for motion is the perfect love of God and not being motivated through fear for anything because fear is going to try to get you to move. And when you move out of fear, you're moving in a direction that is separating you from the heart of God, separating you from wisdom, because see, the scripture tells us in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because what you fear will establish the boundaries and the limits of your life. If you fear heights, you'll stay low. If you fear going deep, you'll stay shallow. But if all you fear is God, God says to us that all things are possible to him who believes. God says to us, what is impossible with man is possible with God. If all you fear is God, that word fear right there means to have a reverential awe for, if all you place an awesome power on is God, God is the one who establishes the limits of your life. And Jesus says to us in the new Testament, he says, the things that you've seen me do are nothing compared to the greater things that you're going to do. So you get to decide what the limits of your life are going to be. You get to decide what limits your potential. You get to decide what limits your dreams. You get to decide what limits, how far you're going to go with what Jesus did for you. So let me ask you what, are you afraid of? Why are you so fearful? And then as we answer that, let us ask ourselves, what motivates me and what is moving me? Am I allowing the love of God and wisdom to move me or am I being moved through fear? Am I being controlled through fear? I have time. So I'm just going to tell you this. If you would get ready. When, uh, Darren and I, Rhett was a baby and Darren was working this is w- when we were first married. Uh, I say first married, I guess we'd been married maybe four. how long had we been married when Rhett was born three years? He was a baby. I don't think he was and he may have been a year or so old. Um, we were living on a Arabian horse ranch. Those two words are kind of contrary. I love Arabians. It tastes like chicken. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Arabian horses. (laughs) I should clarify. Arabian horses. If you have Arabian horses, I know. I'm already getting a finger shook at me. If you have Arabian horses and you love them, God bless you because somebody needs to. Um, I honestly, I'm not... not, I'm not cowgirl enough to ride an Arabian, I would get bucked off. So they're mean. The ones that we had at the at the ranch were they were mean. Um, anyway, we uh were living there in exchange for rent. Darren was taking care of the horses and cleaning stalls, and I don't remember how many do you remember about how many horses were there? Almost twenty horses. So he was cleaning and taking care of these horses and feeding them every day. And we were looking, the church was growing and becoming more and more consuming of time. So, uh, taking care of 20 horses every day was a lot. And on top of what the church was growing and taking care of people and loving on people. And so we were looking for a place to move. And, uh, we had found a house we went and looked at it. And I remember, what I remember is Rhett running around and playing because where we were living, he wasn't running around, he was scooting around, you know, um, But this was a really cool place to live. And we got home and we were talking about it. And I was coming up with every reason as to why we couldn't do that. It was going to be this much rent. and We don't have that much money. It was going to cost us this much to get utilities. turned on, We don't have that money. Everything that I could come up with is why we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. And I don't remember how long it was after that. But however many days after Darren came in the house from being down and cleaning and he sat down and he said I need to have I need to have a talk with you I need you to sit down for a minute and I remember sitting on one side of the living room and him sitting on the other side the distance from the bow to the stern and he sat down and he put his elbows on his knees and he leaned across and he's in the most amount of love he said to me I cannot allow you to control this family through your fear. And he said, I, as the head of this home, I cannot allow you to manipulate me through fear anymore. Oh, I got so mad at him. Oh, I was not pleasant to be around. All of the words and the emotions come through me. of He just doesn't love me. He doesn't understand me. If he understood me, he would protect me. He wouldn't talk to me like that. I, he just doesn't love me. Every justification to hold on to the fear on the inside of me. And then as the day went on, he, he left and went back down to the barn. We talked. And I said, okay. Probably not that nice. Okay he went back down to the barn to finish cleaning and working I could tell that he'd been down there and this had, but he'd been thinking on this for days and when he left and went back down to the barn I went into the bathroom and I looked at myself in the mirror and I felt so ugly I was so embarrassed and every accusation of the enemy was coming at me <laughs> telling me what a terrible wife I was what a terrible mother I was and how many times I had manipulated my husband through fear how many doors of opportunity had I shut down and caused my family to miss because fear was driving me to control and to manipulate my husband I shut the bathroom door and I did not want him to see me just felt ugly and he came home and he wouldn't let me stay in the bathroom and he said I love you too much for fear to control our lives and that started my journey I'm not allowing fear to control or dictate me And the day that I was walking in the yard and praying and asking God, Lord, I don't want to be afraid. I want fear to be broken over my life. God said, why are you focusing on the fear? Like clearly, like as clear as, and God does not communicate with me all the time like this, but like somebody was standing next to me, talking to me. God said, why do you focus on the fear? that's what's bothering me. And he said, does not perfect love cast down fear? Well, yeah. And he says, then why don't you start learning about my love? Why don't you start diving into and spending your time focusing on learning how much I love you and what my love feels like, what my love looks like, how my love moves, how it acts, how it moves and breathes, how it goes before you, how it comes behind you, and how it fills you up. And when you're filled up with my love, the fire of God on the inside of you is not snuffed out through hiding. But the fire of God on the inside of you is ignited and you won't be afraid because perfect love fills you. So that's where my journey started. And this morning I feel like that there's people who have been tormented by fear. That fear causes you to walk away from opportunities. That fear causes you to build walls around your heart. That you haven't committed in certain relationships and in certain opportunities because the fear on the inside of you has caused you to put up walls that cause you to put the fire of God out on the inside of you. And so I want to pray over that. That we would get started and then, you know, as we enter into the fast, if, you, if that's something that you choose to do, that you would take this as a launching board and through that 21-day fast that you would be so focused in on the love of God that God would reveal something so deep and come and speak to you and communicate with you in such a way that fear completely and totally loses its hold on your life and that you are never manipulated or that you never manipulate through fear again. So if you know that fear, or you're feeling like maybe fear does have a hold on me. Maybe I am motivated through fear at times. Maybe I'm not motivated through love the way that I want to be. If that is you, I want to invite you right now to make the first step in breaking that hold on your life by simply standing where you are. Just simply stand where you're at right now. Stand and we're not looking around. This isn't for anybody to put judgment on anybody else. This is to say, dude, I am not gonna allow fear of what other people think of me to keep me in my seat. Boy, that's a big one, right? Fear of man, fear of what other people are gonna think. Well, I'm supposed to be really tough. I'm supposed to be a leader. I'm not supposed to have fear. The disciples in the boat had fear. They were right there with Jesus. They could see him. And they were dealing with fear. Here's a universal emotion. So Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person that is standing, I declare for the love of God to wash over them and through them right now in Jesus' name. If you want to be really bold, I invite you just to open your hands up. Like if I were to tell you that we're gonna give you a really great gift that you would stretch your hands out and open your hands up to receive that gift. So if it's in you to wanna to do that right now, just open your hands up. If you just wanna open up your heart, open, open your heart up right now to receive that. To say, I declare, I want you to say this with me. I declare in the name of Jesus that fear, the deception of fear And the motivation from fear no longer has a hold over me or through me in every area of my life. In Jesus' name, stay right here. Now, the storm, whatever that is, whatever the thing is that comes to you is it fear of the future? Is it fear of being alone for everybody in here? It's different. Fear of dying? hey, let's just call it, what it is fear of COVID? Fear of getting the vaccine, fear of not getting the vaccine, fear of people wearing masks, fear of having your freedom taken away, fear of people that are wearing masks, fear of people that aren't wearing masks, whatever. Let's just not be afraid of it. Let's call it out for what it is and say, we're not gonna be afraid of that. We're not gonna be moved through that. We're not gonna be motivated through that. Fear of cancer. I feel like there's somebody in here who is right, like... There have been people in your family who you have watched go through a battle with cancer, and so fear of cancer is a very real thing for you. Who is that? Just raise your hand up right now. Yeah, is there anybody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right now, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say, in the name of Jesus, the fear of cancer has no authority in my life. I want you to say that so that you can hear yourself say it. The fear of cancer is no authority in my life. And I am not moved through fear of anything. I am moved by the perfect love of God. And right now in the name of Jesus, we break, we break the spirit of fear of cancer over you, those of you that raise your hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> fear of crashing, I'm hearing fear of crashing. Does that mean something to somebody? Okay, yeah. So right now in the name of Jesus, we break off fear of crashing. That's very real to you. But that is a deception and a lie. So we break that off right now in Jesus' name and you are no longer moved through that fear anymore in Jesus' name. So whatever the fears are, just identify them right now. And now what we're going to do is we're just going to invite love, the perfect love of God. So let's just take a deep breath in. We're going to do it one more time. And when we do it this time, when you breathe in, you're going to breathe in the perfect love of God into every area of your life into every cell of your body, those that have any fear of any type of sickness or disease. We're going to breathe in the perfect love of God into every cell, into our, we're going to receive that love into the blood that pumps through our body. Can you do that? Heck yeah, you can. (laughs) Yeah, you can. So we're going to take a deep breath in and we're going to breathe love into every area of our being. Right now in Jesus' name, take a deep breath in. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. That as that fear is gone, as you breathe in, that the fire, the breath of the Holy Spirit is breathing on those coals that are on the inside of you. And Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God. Fire of God stir. Put your hand on your gut right now. This is where I always picture. Some people, if you want to put your hand on your heart, you can do that. I always picture my inner man, my center of my being right here is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Every person if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life not for fear but because he loves you so much and maybe you're just Uh, here today and you're learning, you're just discovering, you're saying, Hey, I'm just going to check this out. You're welcome here. This is a home where we invite you to explore. We invite you to check it out. What is this God thing all about? And if you're here discovering today, you're just here searching it out, trying to find the answers. That's great. We want you to keep coming as long as it takes for you to feel and to learn and to grow everything that you want to about God. But if you're here today and you're ready to make that decision, and you've never made that personal decision for yourself before, that today is the day that I am opening my heart and I'm giving my heart to God because he's opened his heart to me and I'm stepping into the heart of God that is perfect love, that has the perfect plan for my life, the one that made me and created me, that knows the number of the hairs on my head, that knows the end from the beginning of my life, that created me with passions and desires and gifts and talents on the inside of me and I'm ready to step into that relationship with God because I want to know all of the gifts in me and what he gave them to me to use them for and I'm not going to let fear or anything else hold me back anymore and today is the day that I choose to come into relationship with God because he's been waiting for me and if that's you just make that decision right where you're at right now and if you came with someone reach over and just squeeze their hand or if there's somebody standing next to you just tap them with your elbow if you aren't just let them know hey I'm doing that right now Invite that in. And now that you've invited that in, and for everybody in here that has invited that in, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is the guide, the comforter, is the Spirit of God that's given to you to live and breathe on the inside of you, to lead you in all wisdom, in every decision, in every moment, in every season of your life, to lead you through those things. Not just barely getting by, but thriving in it. Cutting a path and making a way for other people that will come behind you. And now that Holy Spirit on the inside of you, we just invite the breath of God right now to breathe on that, that that fire of God would light you up on the inside that you don't feel like you have to hide or run from anything. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And God is love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.